What's up, everyone? It's the best night of the week. Welcome back to 614 Headsets. We're your hosts, Ryan Sayers. Say hello. What's up, everybody? Back in action. Uh, best night of the week, as Stow said. We look forward to this every single week. Donovan White. Episode 5 on Doc. Appreciate you guys all tuning in. Man, we are rolling, and we're going to introduce our guests in a little bit because we got some great stuff for them. But, hey, Tom Brady said it best. Football is unconditional love, and we couldn't agree more. And football is in full effect here in Ohio right now. Uh, everybody's getting their early practices in. Everything's rolling right now, and it's starting to really feel like that time. This game is a lifestyle, and that's why we consider our show a movement of that lifestyle. And we're three high school coaches from the Columbus area who live and love this game. Donovan, we're going to get right into it today. Tell them what we're going to get into. We're going to talk with Coach Tyler Manis, defensive coordinator from Chattanooga, Tennessee, a little bit at the beginning. Uh, and then we're all going to go into another segment of Coach Sayers' favorite awards, the All Gas Award, for another category. I won't spoil it just yet. Uh, we're going to talk about some differences in high school football up north versus down south, uh, some of our most memorable headset experiences, and then finally kind of differences uh, we have seen from that tight front 5-2 defense um, and, and a couple other experiences we've had with that. So very excited for that today. I can't wait, man. Life in the dirty south. Everybody has his name messed up in Ohio. I'm just going to keep it real. Can we say yeah. it one more time for the viewers? Because <laughs> this threw me all the way up. It is Tyler Manus, right? Yes, sir. That's it. That's Everybody in Ohio, no. stop. Every time you talk about Tyler Maines, I've heard your name a lot be brought up like throughout the football world. Um, and it is all always Tyler Maines. Hey, and this, guy, yeah, this guy's okay. got like over 14,000 followers on Twitter. I guarantee like 98 point whatever percent don't know it. Can you imagine how many people are just in there like, oh, Tyler Mans, Tyler Mains, as you're going through. I guarantee no, it, man. It's funny you said that because I just started a new school and my kids would not say my name and I knew they were scared because they didn't know how to pronounce it. And finally, like two weeks in, one of the kids came up and was like, all right, well, I got voted as the kid that had to come ask you how to pronounce your name. So how do you actually pronounce your name, Coach? I was like, all right, that's fair. He didn't have that's to just get it. Hey, kids are hilarious, aren't they? They're just so funny. Like, he got voted. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Hey, before we get rolling, though, let's talk about our sponsor and our partner, Fundraising University. Fundraising University of Ohio offers a variety of fundraising efforts that helps football teams run profitable, effective, and fast-paced fundraisers designed to raise the most money in the shortest amount of time to reach their fundraising goal. Fundraising University of Ohio is locally owned, operated, and with their six-step blitz system will help your team maximize profits. As a current coach himself, Brett Maxwell with Fundraising University will sit down and help you pick, plan, strategize, and execute your fundraiser that will allow you as a coach to focus on your practice time, prep time, player development, and the all-important personal time. Fundraising University Ohio offers 60-minute donation platforms, which will have your money back in eight days, digital and hard discount cards, and they'll put all the work in for you and they're all popular popcorn sale as well as others. If you're interested in us running a fundraiser for you, please contact Brent Maxwell at bmaxwell at fundraising, the letter U, dot net, or 740-501-8946 to learn how to get started with fundraising. Brent is still looking for football teams for this July and August. It's not too late. And the summer's a great time because them spring sports are over and you finally got all your kids back with you. 
and it's a fantastic time. And, and for me, fundraising, I, I, it gave me anxiety as a coach. Ryan, how's it helped you? Again, like Brent has done an amazing job for us. He's been able to um, provide us with a game plan on how to raise the money. That, that's the biggest thing I think that he provides with us at Fundraising University is not just here's the fundraiser, but he comes and meets with your team three times right throughout the fundraiser that he kicks it off with your team. Your kids know him. Um, it's funny they know him as the fundraising guy. But uh, Coach Maxwell does a phenomenal job um, and always is willing to help too. Awesome. So coaches, programs, businesses, whatever it is, you want a stress fee fundraiser where it's quick and you get a max amount of money, hit up Fundraising University. Donovan, let's get into our guest right now. Transition us, big boy. All right, I'm up, man. So hey, I've been I love Twitter. My wife is yelling me, put down your phone. You know what I mean? I, I, I I'm like, hey, I'm looking at football. That's all that's on here. All right. And, and and Tyler and I had already been talking back and forth a little bit on Twitter about different things and joking and, and you name it, man. And I'm excited that when this guy hit me up and said he wanted to come on the show and talk to us. So tonight we have Tyler Manus from Cleveland High School. The Legion of Blue, baby. That's what tonight's titled. Uh, from Chattanooga, Tennessee. And when you hop on his his Twitter, he's all everything. He's a business owner. He's 247 Sports. I've seen him on Throw Deep Publishing. He's on everything, man. I don't. I mean, I don't know what else this guy's doing. I just saw today before we hopped on here, he was thinking about running to be the director <laughs> of agriculture in Tennessee because he's got to be for something. I don't know what this guy doesn't have his hand in. So, Tyler, as we get started, man, go ahead and just introduce yourself. Correct me where I may have been wrong. Please fill me in on the beef with the Department of Agriculture, if you could. <laughs> And go ahead and just introduce <laughs> us and tell us about your journey to where you're at. Because this man is Mr. Worldwide. He's been everywhere. Well, I appreciate that. I always tell my wife, I got to start stop tweeting about chicken nuggets and about random things. Because sometimes I forget people actually follow me and I just go out there and start hitting send. So that's a good reminder there. Um, so I originally got my start I'm from Fort Myers, Florida. So southwest Florida, south of Tampa. Um, I just randomly lucked in and became the defensive coordinator at my alma mater. And Fort Myers, just a little dinky private school. Um, my first year, I think we had like 26 kids. My second year, we had like a school record for uh, roster size, and it was like 36. And we had like two or three coaches, really. It was just me and the head coach um, fighting for our survival. Um, and we'll get into it later, but like I had to see a bunch of ex-NFL guys that were coaching their sons. I mean, it was like really getting into the thick of things. Uh, kind of fast forward, uh, I got married last January. Um, moved to Chattanooga, Tennessee, took a job at Tyner Academy, um, was blessed to be the defense coordinator there, uh, went 14-1, won a state championship for the first time since 1997, um, and then just real recently just took the new job at Cleveland High School in a, right around Chattanooga, uh, which is a 6A school. So kind of been, I've only coached four, this will be my fourth year, um, but been to three different places and all three have been very different. Tyner's also, we were around 50, 60 on the roster size, still only five or six coaches and Cleveland's completely opposite. We have a big roster, big coaching staff, no excuses. Um, as far as like the Department of Agriculture and all that, 
I do not teach. I own a pest control business. That's what I've done since I was about 19. Um, learned it from my grandpa. So that's what I do. That's how I am able to tweet all day at different hours uh, because I'm not teaching or anything like that. So I kind of make my own schedule um, and then beef with the Department of Agriculture. That's what I do on the side. That's hilarious. That. Man. I was wondering, <laughs> like, what the I mean, where was the base behind this? And, and that is hilarious, man. Uh, so Cleveland High School, uh, I, I love. I like you guys. You know, I didn't know there was a Cleveland besides Ohio's Cleveland. Man, <laughs> I, these schools down south, man, they got some uh, crazy video production and everything. Mm-hmm. Talk to us, like, what was the appeal to Cleveland? What, like, what made you this? You you win a state championship at a school. What was the appeal to Cleveland? Um, so a couple of things. First and foremost, that was Coach Tigard, the head coach that was just named there. Uh, he was previously at Blackman, which is a big 6A school in Murfreesboro, which is right in between Nashville and Cleveland. He's really made his name for himself. He's another young guy in his 30s, um, and he's kind of taken the coaching Tennessee area. He was in Alabama for a bit. Um, he coached for a couple of years at UT. He just does things completely different. Uh, we kind of see eye to eye on um, – the use of Twitter and social media to market not only yourself and the program, but especially the kids, because uh, that's really what it comes down to. The more followers that you have as a coach on Twitter, the more followers that see your kids highlight tapes and things like that. Um, and those connections and networking, it's all really important. It's all kind of spanned together. So he's the one who like spearheads all of that. So um, he was like even in Forbes magazine for all the crazy stuff that he does. So like every single game has like a theme night, um we do like media day we just had eighth grader signing day which we actually i actually kind of got the idea from you guys because you i think you guys do it at Gahanna. yeah um, we've done we'll for do a that. while now yeah yeah love the idea kids were jazzed about it they have like tiktok background and they were flexing and putting all like the let's talk about how tyler has this incoming freshman that literally looks like five star <laughs> 21 inch guns dude on this kid but that's awesome so yeah hey when we get off here tonight, reach out and I'll tell you some different things that we've done maybe over the yeah. years. That we can kind of bounce some ideas off each other. Absolutely. We love our, our middle school signing day and mm-hmm. we were always kind of evolving it and changing it. We've done different things and it's great. And you guys, you have a fantastic, you know, filter and video squad. And I love watching everything. Everything and, I went through is Twitter today. Everything is spot on. It's money. It's great. It's great. Like everything you guys post. Is great, and I think I agree, man. Like you have to adjust with the kids. Like I, I talked mm-hmm. to some coaches that are old school. Like now nah, we ain't listening to rap music. Now nah, we ain't doing mm-hmm. stuff. Like it's a new know. age, man. Like I look at it. So like Doug Geyser has now become the head coach at Ashley University. He was my position coach. This man wouldn't even text you when he was a position coach. You couldn't text him. He didn't have any social media. Mm-hmm. Now he texts. Now he's got social media. The game has completely changed, and we have to change with it. And and absolutely, you have to use as a tool. All right, Tyler, we love to get us. This is a this is the second time we've done this, and the questions are a little tougher tonight. And you don't even Mm -hmm. know them, all right? But we (laughs) got to do. I love my questions. I was like, this gave me more time to think about them. I thought about them for like two days. Like, which one can I really? We got we got a we got a new segment we're doing with every guest when they come on called the pick six segment (laughs) where we're there's three of us here. We're gonna fire off two questions each where the viewers get to know you a little bit more. Donovan, start us out with your random pick sixes. Finally, Donnie will say a word. First question. (laughs) If you could only eat one food category for the rest of your life, like Italian food, Chinese food, American style food, which one are you picking? 
What would Ooh, it be? that's rough. I know. It's- uh, like go to right away. I want to say Italian, but I feel like Mexican kind of flexes the most, and there's like the most flavors you can go in between spicy and sweet and things like that. So I feel like Mexican would probably be the safest bet, but I could probably eat pasta every single day. So he's down south, he wants that Tex Mex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Second question from me if you could be any animal now, not for the rest of your life, you're not living the rest of your life as a bird, you can just be that animal anytime you want. If you could be any animal, any animal, what would you choose? That's rough. I always love pandas because I feel like, you know, bears are always extremely dangerous and they're like 800 pounds. But at the same time, like, really, what do they do all day? They just sleep and eat, which are like mm-hmm. sounds like the best vibe. So probably a panda. But like, you know, if you screw with the panda, they're still 800 pounds. <laughs> still, still, have, a bear. Uh, still have teeth. Yeah, still a bear. Love that. Sayers. <laughs> I love that. that that's, that's beautiful. Um, here's mine. So if you could have one superpower, what would, you, uh, what would it be? Ooh, one superpower. The ability to call the perfect play call every time. No, I have no. <laughs> <let's, laughs> um, I don't know. Being able to fly would be dope. Mm-hmm. Being able to fly would be really cool. That's money. That's a good one. Um, my next one would be if you could have dinner with any three people in this entire world, dead, alive, like whatever it is, any three people, who would those three people be? Dang. I would pick like some random great, 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 great grandfather just to see what's up, like see where he's at and be like tell him my life, like, hey, actually, you know, you're fourth generation down the road. He just coaches football. That's what he does. Like that's pretty yeah. much all it is. He just plays games all day. That's what, that's what he does. Um, other than that, if I could meet anyone, the – I would probably – Have dinner with him. <laughs> have dinner? I would probably have dinner with Schwartz, the new defense corner for the Browns. Get that down low. Use it for the OPR. Um, yeah. ask, ask questions. Ask scheme, ask scheme questions. Uh, get the down low on that. And then last one. I don't know. I'm a huge Urban Meyer fan, so I'd probably go. I've met him once, actually, when he was in between Florida and uh, Ohio State. His daughter, Gigi, goes to FGCU. Um, and we, like, randomly saw him at an outback when he was in transition. And my dad was, like, freaking out. So, we met him for a bit. He's super cool. We'd love to actually get in touch with him and talk shop for a bit. So probably Urban Meyer. There we go. That's yeah. an interesting group right there. Hey, if you're stranded on a desert, what are two or three items, Tyler, you got to have with you? Two or three items. Whiteboard. Got to have the whiteboard. You can go wild with the Let's whiteboard. the day out. You yep. got you got sand though, like you could just Whiteboard. draw on the no, sand. No, 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 no. <laughs> then the wind starts to his roots. Yeah, Ooh, wind starts I going. I love wind it. starts going. It gets All wet, right. it washes right. over. Whiteboard would be a good one. Water, water is always vital. I feel like I don't know if I would survive. That water would be the big one. I feel like I could survive a while without food, but water I would struggle with. So probably hey. water, whiteboard. You're going to die on that island. <laughs> <laughs> the essentials. The essentials. I love that the whiteboard is the thing. Like, hey, you got – are you taking markers too? This guy this – guy Oh, yeah. The there's, there's like a, I would buy the package deal at like Target that comes with the eraser. He could, he could draw bottle. the sand, and he's surrounded by water. He just has to make fire. Tyler's going to die on that island. Your coaching offices or whatever, but you better make sure that that the cap is clicked all the way down oh, there. Because yeah. I'm gonna tell you right just, now, we come into dry markers every week. I gotta, I be, I gotta be honest, that's the worst two or three I've ever heard. <laughs> all right, last one for our big six, Tyler. 
Who would play you in a movie about your life? Oh, God bless. I have no idea. It's a tough one. Yeah, this is this is really hard. You got me thinking, Coach. I'm like, Jesus, I don't even know the answer to that. I'm question. gonna let Tyler think. I'm gonna, I sprung this on him. This is a hard question. Yeah, I've been it. thinking about this for a week. Hey, <laughs> hey, I'm going with John Cena. John Cena. <laughs> I got kids in class. Hey, Mister, you look like John Cena. You're saying that for the viewers. You know, you've nope. never had that said. I swear to God, I'll bring him on. I swear, John Cena. The Rock would have been easy. Yeah, you know, but I hey, went to the Rock. I'm going Jason, with John Cena. Jason Momoa. I make him shave his head, keep the beard. Ooh, He's like, uh, like that. if I could be anyone, if I could be like a six Everyone or anyone, that's what I'm the be. Green Bay Packers head coach. I look like the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> no, <laughs> I've had three older ladies at our school because nah. crazy thing is, is Northland. The old people like love the Green Bay Packers for some weird reason or whatever because we're green and yellow, but. You're that's stiffler it. all the way, bro. Mm-hmm. If anybody played you, it'd be the stiff meister. Oh, that would be <laughs> that would be you. That I'll would be take you. Him. I'll take him. That would be you. All right, Tyler, you put out a fantastic tweet this week or last week. I think it was this week. Sorry, our, our week's crazy right now in football. I won't even talk about <laughs> our schedule. Uh, and it said, what was your welcome to coordinating moment, right? Tyler, tell us your welcome to coordinating moment, and then the rest of us are going to tell you ours. I love this. Yeah. This question was so cool to me because there, everyone gets a little kick in the ass welcome, right? Yeah, always. Yeah. Even, even as a position coach, I'm sure you, you get it the first time. So mine, I was obviously thought that I was going to be 24-year-old Nick Saban. Um, I literally installed – I had the Aranda playbook. I literally installed it word for word. We had all the calls. I was like, oh, I'm about to go in here, and you know, we're about to shut this team out. Uh, we go on an away game, um, and we get our butts blown out like forty-nine to seven. I think was the score, or forty-nine to fourteen, um, and it was against a uh, Eugene Chung, who was an ex-pro bowler, ex-NFL coach. Uh, I didn't know that at that time, but come to later find out, uh, it was so bad at one point. We played with them for a half, and the, coming out in the third quarter, our kids were not ready. We had like twelve cramps all within two plays. It was so bad. We played a freshman who lined up on the wrong side of the ball. And the other team had to help them get in the stance and turn around. So that was like, oh, okay, well, this is not SEC football. Um, and I really don't know what I'm doing. So, yeah, that was rough. Man. Ryan, tell us yours. Oh, my gosh, Ryan. All right, Ryan's having I'm a little muted. audio issue. Oh, Here he is. All right, Ryan, I'm come muscle. on. Um, But for me, I feel like – Mine's not really a welcome to coordinator kind of thing, right? Like, mine's like just welcome to head coach and was like my first game as being a head coach, right? I'd probably tell that week, like, hey, we're kicking this team's ass. Like, it's over. Like, we're good. We're going to win this game. Like, I'm, t- I'm telling everybody, like, hey, we're going to be smooth. It's COVID year, whatever. And we go in and we're down 35-0 at halftime, just getting slacked. By the then the fourth quarter's coming. I'm getting parents chanting in the stands, like, go back to pick north and and kind of like just everything. And, you know, go, coming off the field that night, like, was probably the toughest moment to, like, look at my family in the eyes, I would say, for sure. Because, like, here's, you know, my fiance now, like, right, she's pregnant with my soon-to-be son. He's here and in the stomach, like, your dad sucks at coaching football, right? <laughs> see, you know, he's not even out yet, and he's getting hey. slammed with that. And then, I, you know, I see my fiance's family, too, my family. My dad's on the sideline 
Um, them are lonely nights, man. Them are it, lonely nights. The coaches it, ain't saying nothing. Nobody's saying anything. Those are lonely nights. If it's my first night as a coach, I just remember seeing my dad, like, he went on the sideline, like, you know, my dad's a football guy, and just look at me like, damn tough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there was no one could say anything that night to make it better, but it taught me, man, it taught me a lot of lessons. Like, it, that, that one single night right there taught me more lessons as a head coach than um, – any other situation that I've had as a head coach, um, just based off of, you know, thinking we're going to win now. Shoot, I don't say nothing. I'm like, I just hope we'll compete, right? <laughs> I just hope we compete tonight. Diamond, I'm interested. Like, what are you yeah. going to say in this segment? Yeah, Tyler, so I'll give you some background. I, last year was my first year coaching, right? And I coach O-line for Gahanna Lincoln, um, you know, and so I don't have a welcome to coordinating moment. The welcome, I saw this, and I'm like, okay, the, the first kind of moment where I felt like that was our very first game. And, and this might be simple compared to your guys' compared to how many years you have experience coaching combined. But uh, first game of the year, we were at the point where, like, you know, I'm coached from my own modern high school. I'm coaching with my head coach who's, you know, from high school, a lot of other coaches that were, were my coaches as a player. And so for a while it was like I know I'm the O-line coach. Uh, but it was like more of like I'm on this ride, you know, still kind of experiencing it, learning it and, and wondering what it feels like. And there was a moment as simple as it seems in the first game where our swing tackle was out for the game. Um, and one of besides him, we didn't really have much depth at, at tackle. And at one point, the kid's helmet comes off. So he's got to come off for a play. Then he might be hurt for a play. And I'm sitting there almost waiting for someone else. Like it, it happened in like a second or two, but almost waiting for someone else to be like, all right, like this happened, this happened. Our coach stopped to be like, do this, do that. And there's no sound. It's then I hear, what are we doing at tackle? And I'm like, that's right. Like this is my show with this unit. And it all mm -hmm. kind of clicked from there of like, you're on the, I'm on the ride, but like it's still, you got an equal spot in the show. And as simple as that sounds, it was just kind of my first experience of like, yeah, this is, this is really real. Right? It's not a dream. It's not just what you're on the on the ride for. You're part of this. Simple as that sounds. We'll wake up because Thursday we gotta get after it a little bit. That's <laughs> more practice on yeah, Thursday. I mean, Thursday you gotta get uh, you gotta get a little. You gotta get that yeah. mean streak in you Thursday. Okay? Uh -huh. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna bring mine out. Mine's even worse. Okay. Mine's terrible. So I'm a first year head coach, 23, 24 years old. Uh, I, I travel to Winford High School, and I lose 60 to nothing, all right? At this point in time, they were on a 65-plus game win streak, right? And, like, it's like, it's like Hollywood, man. We get, our, we get pushed in, lose. I'm walking back on this lonely, long walk in the rain just from pouring <laughs> down on me, right? And I just can't – I mean, we had like 23 guys. So, Tyler, I, I know exactly that feeling you said when you first started because that's where I did mm -hmm. too. They might have had like 60. They were two divisions bigger than us. And I just never forget like this This reporter comes up and he talks to me. He's like, he's like tell me, coach, like, you know, they just won 64 games. Is it, you know, straight games. Is that something you could division for your program? And I lost it, right? I'm like, what coach would say they wouldn't want that for themselves? Like, what type of answer <laughs> you think I'm going to say, man? And that was my welcome to like coaching, man. Just like that complete overwhelmed, like, you know, the week before we lost by one point, we're right there. And then the next week, oh my gosh. So I, I thought that was a very interesting tweet and I loved it. And I thought it'd be interesting for all of us to talk about it.
yeah, as well. Here's, a good, here's another one. Do you guys remember your first time out? No. Really? I remember my I first time. I was, That's I, was pet- I, I was petrified. Like I would not call it. Like we were getting driven on, and the head coach keeps looking over at me. He's like, You need a timeout? And I was like terrified to call a timeout because I was like, a, Yeah. I, I know, know. there's, there's always an interesting dynamic. I'm still like that way as the head coach, bro. Like, and, and it's terrible. Like, I'm like, nah, save him. No, save him. Don't yeah. <laughs> yeah. save him. You know what I mean? And then like we get to like you know, second quarter or something. And, you know, we don't save them throughout the, like, second half usually, right? Like, mm-hmm. usually them are burned up. But the first half, I'm like, save them. Save them. We'll get some at that. And, you know, we have only one situation this year where it happened where we went and got two scores because I, like, saved our timeouts. But the other situations, it's like, all right, we're in this half. That's always a very interesting dynamic on a team. Who can call the timeouts? Mm-hmm. Who can't? How do we I feel about them? Only me and on my offensive coordinator, the only two um, that can call a timeout, or well, like my OC's up in the stands, so whoever's signaling my offensive plays, right? Those, that's the uh, yeah. those are the only two, me and them. If I start screaming from the press box, there's a reason. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So I feel you. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, and there, there's three Browns fans on here, right? Jeez. So, so Tyler's Jeez. a Browns fan. I'm a Browns fan. Ryan's a Browns <laughs> fan. <laughs> you know, Donnie, he's a, a very a, a lover of the NFL. I thought it'd be interesting to talk about. What is he again? I forgot already. Uh, you can see it in the back corner right there a little bit. He's trying to hide it somewhat. No, Who's here? Whose jersey is that? Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace. What? Rest in peace, but rest in peace. But like, that's bro. the jersey you have, though. Of all they, that no, listen, I I don't even want to talk about the curse that I have over them with jerseys. The jerseys I have: RG three, Sean Taylor, Jordan Reed, Chase Young, Dwayne Haskins. I don't even want to talk about the curse. Hey, by the way, my, the my, my mom watched the show. She wanted me to let you know she's very proud of you for finally putting something in the background. She's so excited. I'm sitting here mowing, and I just keep <laughs> getting these messages coming through my headphones. And You'll have to tell Donovan, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, she, Mama Style's proud of you, man. So, I hey, as most that. of us being Browns fan and Donovan, he can chime in. Will we ever see the – this is a two-part question. One, will we ever see the Browns figured out? And did we give up too much with the Deshaun Watson trade? What do you guys think? I'm going to throw it out there. Let me start this off as a non-Browns fan. So let me talk some sense into a crazy world that's about to spiral on on this show. Um, I'll start with the second part of that. No, uh, you, you guys know how it is. Let me start with the second part of that question. Did they give up too much for Deshaun Watson? Probably, like financially and draft-wise, yeah, that's a lot to give up. As much as I hate the Browns, I despise the Browns. I root for them to be bad every year. I grew up around Browns, Bengals, Steelers fans. And the Browns fans are the loudest of them all and they're the most annoying. That being said, a lot of people – hold on. I'm giving you some credit here. A lot of people forget that Deshaun Watson is a top five, maybe top two quarterback. Was. Is. Is. Was. uh, He is an all-pro quarterback. And so maybe even, you know, in that, you know, higher, higher top end conversation with Mahomes when he's playing his best. Dudes, does he ever get there back to that? I don't know. But if he's at 80%, are the Browns Super Bowl contenders? Probably. But the first part of that question, I don't the, – the Browns are, are not going to figure it out with them. It's just the curse of, of the Browns in general. They're not going to figure it out with Deshaun. 
and they're not going to figure out ever. They're the worst franchise in NFL history. They're not going to figure it out. Bro, stop. You got poop falling from the pipes in your stadium. No. Stop. Like, this, no. easy with all the shade you're throwing at us. It's not you're like you've been much better. Like, maybe maybe next it. episode. Maybe next I, episode I'll get a banner for the 1991 Washington team, the best gonna, NFL okay. team of all time. 1991? You weren't even alive. Stop it. it. We, nah, nah, nah. we what was their, about, Hold on. What was their name then? The Washington what? The Washington Redskins. Okay, cool. He what wasn't even alive the same then. Sorry, bro. All right. Who else <laughs> wants to talk about this? Let's hear from Tyler. Tyler, as a, as a, a fired up across the country, what do you think? Yeah, so um, I'm kind of at this point where I'm like, well, you, like at some point you got to prove it. Like I'm tired of these. Like I feel like. You know, it's a running joke that the Browns have won like the last three off seasons, and they always like you get in the off season, you turn on ESPNs, everyone everyone's giving them A plus grades on on their free agency and draft and everything like that, which I get. You know, you always want your front office to be to be doing things like that. You know, I think it's always kind of a bad sign when everyone obviously knows that the front office is bad and it's not the case. Um, but I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, all right, like just prove it, like please God, just prove it, like rattle off some wins early. Um, I think for for what they gave up for him, um, I think he probably they want him to be a top five quarterback in the NFL. I think he's, I think he, he could probably get back there. I think he should, he showed flashes of it um, in those last six games. Uh, the consistency is obviously the biggest part of that. Um, so he's really just going to be super consistent. But the roster they put around him is serious, and I honestly think. Um, the front office and the coaching staff kind of kind of knew with the suspension that that was kind of going to be an off year um, and didn't put too much into making the playoffs, even though they were still alive for the playoffs, you know, really late in the season. Ryan, what do you think, man? <laughs> I'm riding and dying with Deshaun. <laughs> like, hey, I'm going to – I even put it in here on the script. I'm going to just read it. I'm going to ride – with Deshaun Watson until the wheels fall off. Got me? Okay. Bring me D Hopkins right now, and I'm going to show you a Super Bowl team. Okay? That's just a fact. Okay? Stop shaking your head, Donnie. Okay? <laughs> Here's a fact. I don't think so. You bring me D Hops, right? Then we got Chubb in the backfield, right? And Joker's still a tight end, right? We are, it's, it's, we're dominating everybody. It's over. Okay, and, and okay, say what you want about my man background, right? Like little whatever, little little happy endings, whatever he's got going on. But I'm here for the football side of things, right? I ain't here for the soap opera life stuff. I'm a football <laughs> Browns fan, right? I love the Browns football team. I don't love the Browns soap opera, right? Like we ain't watching days of our lives here. Like that's what Stout used to grow up watching. But we we watch it. We're watching football here, so um, I don't care what anyone says. People can say I have a couple buddies. Right, my brother is even one that's like, I'll never cheer for the Browns again. I can't believe they did that. Did it? I'm like, bro, dude, what? Got a good player? Yeah, he's this, that, or the other thing. I'm like, now he's a football player to me, right? Like I'm here to watch football games, and we're and we're coming this year. I don't care what anyone says. We're winning the Super Bowl. Hey, Stout, cut me off because I'm going to continue to go. I, I just I, – I think we just gave up so much. It's just like such a big risk. Like the, the amount of picks we gave up and only time's going to tell in the future 
what that pans out and looks like. To me, it's the money, but obviously money's changed a lot in the NFL as the cap continues to climb and people just kick the can down further and further. Uh, this is a big year. If he don't if he don't look good this year, then I don't think you can sit here and say he is ever going to get back to where he was. Now, obviously, they got to give him some weapons and things, but I'm just going to say it right now. I don't think Kevin Stefanski would even know how to use all the weapons around him if he has it. That's just me personally. I just think like that's just not him Oof. as a play caller. Wow. I don't know if he knows himself. <laughs> he's a boring like coach. That. Hey, I just, I, and hey, man, like, you, I mean, I'm sure people can say things about me, and that's fine, but I'm just sitting here saying, I just don't know if we're ever going to figure it out. We the finally looked like we were going to, and then looked terrible following. And, and I, I just don't see Stefanski ever changing things to, to improve the situation. I, I don't know. So, out is obvious to me, right? Tyler, you can correct me. It's obvious that he's an offensive minded guy, right? That he's an offensive guy because he's talking about the risk, right? You ever ran blitz game? You ever blitzed? Anybody? But the, Brown, the Browns' defense have statistically been good for a very long time. Like, there's year in and year out. There's risk even in these, even in these bad Brown seasons, the defense has been a statistically good defense. But I just, I just don't think we're ever going to front office organization, whatever you name it, put it all together to make a run. And, and, and I, I listen, I hope so because I'm sitting here just, I can't go anywhere else. Cause I can't do it to myself. Cause I love the Browns. I'm going to keep doing it. So Donnie, <laughs> let's get into Mr. All gas. All right, Ryan, kick it off. The this number one word. segment, baby. My favorite one right here. The all gas one of the week. Here we go. We're going to talk about, and this is me every week, no doubt, energy drinks before pregame. It could even, it don't even have to be energy drink, but your juice time. What's your drink that you, or your top three drinks that you drink before the game? Go ahead, Donnie Mac. Let me hear what you got. And actually, Donnie, I'm going to spoil, but you're number three. That, that it was great it's, today. Yeah, I love yeah. it. It's pretty good, isn't it? Let me preface it with this: one through three on Fridays last year, I had one through three throughout the day. Uh, that was a tough, tough day. I, Stout. There were times where we'd be celebrating on the sideline, big play would happen. I'd jump up too hard. I'm like, oh, those aren't <laughs> the stadium lights; those oh are stars. So, Holy smokes! I thought yeah. it was like one or the other, not all three, mm -hmm. big kitty. But <laughs> that, but I kind of tapered back towards the end of the season. But number one is Rain Red Dragon it, rain, and Watermelon Warm. Rain with the with, – especially cold out of the fridge, undefeated. It's just so much caffeine. It's like 320 milligrams. Bang, black vanilla cherry, black cherry vanilla, also really good. Also a crap ton of caffeine and we'll get the head spinning a little bit. And that's where Celsius comes in. Celsius, it's a little cleaner, not as much caffeine, not going to jolt me back from unconsciousness. Uh, but it's still pretty good. I love that sells kiwi guava, man. That's a good one. It's good. I love, it. I love it. Ryan, talk us about yours. Of course, I'm gonna go with my favorite, the bang, the bankster mm -hmm. berry. It's a, it's a gangster drink, so you gotta go with the bankster one. Um, next, Red Bull watermelon. That one's fire too. Um, I just got hip to that this past season from my offensive coordinator, Coach Harris. 
he was like, hey, grab me one of the Red Bull watermelons. I'm like, and I made fun of him a little bit. I ain't, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be honest. I made fun of him. I'm like, watermelon? Get the regular Red Bull. He's like, bro, I promise. Right? He was like, wait. And I tried it. I have one every Friday. And then I got to go to the original. Not, I don't know if a lot of people even know about this, but the Amp original green can. That, I know nothing about that one. Go to back to the old Amp. It was out, bro. I was probably that was the first energy drink I swear that I had is an amp. It's like Mountain Dew, bro. Just a little bit more caffeine, a little bit more sugar. I, I love going back because it, it brings back uh, what's that thing they call or whatever um, when you when you drink something or you see something, it brings back memories. Deja vu, um, Ryan. Deja, whatever. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm gonna tell you right now. Or isn't it like uh, no? Nah, I'm gonna sound stupid by saying it's not. Even close. <laughs> Something close to that nostalgia is this song? Nostalgia, yeah, nostalgia. nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I do teach math and only science. I know my shit. <laughs> All right, we figured it out <laughs> together. But yes, um, that's my old. That's my third one's amp original. Um, I just love going back to the old days. Tyler, talk to us about your top three juice times. This is interesting. I can't find the Gatorade with the thing he put. They're in. fantastic. I'm I'm gonna preface this by saying I have like uh, people like all my kids know this. I come in on game days with the most frou frou Starbucks drink possible mm-hmm. with all the whipped cream and sprinkles, and they like call me a white boy. And I come in like wearing Crocs, like super chill. So that's what I usually start with when I come in around noon, and then I slowly start amping it up. So number one, I'll go with the Celsius Mango Peach. That's the non-carbonated. To me, that's like the big thing. Non-carbonated yes. on game days. Don't get the bubble gut. Got to be able to chug it real fast at halftime, things like that. So that's a big part of it. Number two, Ghost Citrus. Honestly, all the ghosts are all really good. Uh, they're just a little too sweet. So like, it feels like a big can. You chug it all really fast. It's going to it's gonna leave you a little bit. And then this is like the dark horse that I just recently started drinking mm-hmm. is the Gatorade Fast Twitch. Honestly, all of them are good, but the blue is always best. Blue Gatorade is mm-hmm. always best. That is that slaps. I mean, that is I'm getting one tomorrow. Right. I gotta Ryan, find it's really good. This has been my in the last month, my go-to. The but fast stop. twitch cool blue is fire. Yeah. I love it. Can we be realistic though? Like, cause I do send you pictures of the new energy drinks I've got. I get right. and I'm like, hey, this is fire. And you haven't got you said for a whole month now you've been drinking that. You haven't sent it to me. Right. Sometimes sometimes you don't text us back for like two, three days. I don't know how this show <laughs> operates sometimes. Like it's just like I don't know how it operates. But Ryan, go to Kroger and buy yourself a that fast twitch cool blue it is absolutely great i'm gonna start with my hey i'm all about the rain i love rain baby mm-hmm. and i want that rainbow sherbet and just so everybody knows i always pick up our head coach one too we call them game days well i'm very superstitious so is he next thing you know i start buying him one and we got on a win streak and the win streak keeps going i didn't know i'm gonna buy this guy a, a, an energy drink for 13 straight weeks right like it's it just like <laughs> I, hey he owes me an extra little uh, percentage on a supplemental come on bruce All hey right? that's about hey that if we do that do the math there right you're about 39 dollars three dollars hey, drink. i need owes. that but hey i love the rain rainbow sherbet i love mm-hmm. the gummy bear on that i love the here's been a new one too I, i've always loved my bangs and i've loved some of those the nectarine blueberry it's a new flavor and it's great where are you? You live in somewhere that got all the new stuff. <laughs> hey, man, I love it. <laughs> and then you, you, can, you can tell I'm the psycho of the group 
because yeah. my number three is my just pre-workout. <laughs> and sometimes before certain games, I'll just have a whole serving of pre-workout. It's, it's just time to go. Man, come on, man. I got babies. I wake up at 4.30 to go work out. I teach all – hey, sometimes you got to get it going. And that's Same when I thing, go to that I'm gym I'm never taking my C4 pre-workout before a game. Yeah. I feel like, bro, I'd be hurt. Uh-uh. Ryan, <laughs> you'll never coach harder than crazy in your entire life. And next wow. season, I guarantee you're going to try it once. I had six personal fouls already this year for six 15 yards. So my guy, we just did an over under in our group chat of my my 15 yarders. They said it this year at two, so they have faith in me. I love my staff. Thank you, but yes, yeah, so we're at two. So if I take pre workout, we're gonna I love probably it. go up to like ten. You can tell I'm the absolute crazy one, and I feel bad for Donnie and everybody That's why you're else. Locked in the press box, who has to deal with me from the press box, just being a caged tiger and losing it. Right, Donnie, it's time to talk about the dirty South. Let's go. All right, Tyler. This is this is an interesting topic. I'm, I'm curious. So I'm I'm not too far removed from college football, and I had teammates from Florida, from Georgia, from Texas, and there was always the debates about the differences and the you know, which high school state is better for football. And I think that's always the superficial topic when you discuss the different states and regions of high school football, and no one really talked about the nuances of what's the schedules like, what's the the major differences outside of the the talents and things like that. And so I guess one of my questions is a little different for you. Have you in the, in the discussion and we hear it a lot in Ohio because we don't have spring football um, and we don't have some of the earlier features of, you know, uh, earlier off season features of football. You hear a lot of people saying, you know, if you do spring football or if you get kids involved in football activities earlier, you'll see injuries rise. Right. I kind of want to ask a question on the flip side, if you've seen any of this in your experience. Do you think or have you noticed any difference in injury prevention from kids because they're able to get more into the football movements? We all know football movements and the the physicality it takes, whether you're learning it for the first time or getting back into it after a while, it's different and it's hard to kind of get back to a customer. Have you noticed any differences in prevention from kids being able to start football activities sooner specifically spring football or anything else to kind of do in that spring spring timeline uh yeah so i'll i'll preface that by saying i've actually so when i my first year was like right at the height of covid Mm -hmm. um and we actually didn't have a spring and we barely had a summer so that's kind of like probably what you guys are kind of used to i've actually kind of had to deal with that too so i get i get that part as far as injury prevention um it's kind of really hit or miss. So I honestly, I think it's a lot on the type of practice you run. A big onus on injuries in practice is the kids taking care of their teammates. That's huge. Uh, not whipping each other, not turning each other, not hitting each other low, not trying to crack back each other, things like that. So it's a cultural thing um, that, the you know, that's kind of what you have to set the standard for. That's a big part. I don't think I've had a single concussion in the three years that I've coached. Um, as far as like joint injuries and ACLs and knees and things like that, um, last year at Tennessee, I mean, we had like we'll get into we had pretty much four preseason games. Um, we were full go and we live tackle from May until December in the state championship game, like live tackle, like full mm-hmm. tilt tackling. We didn't have a single joint injury, not a shoulder, 
Uh, we may have had like a turned angle, but we didn't have an ACL, anything like that. We were full tilt. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think that's a huge part of it. Yeah, I think obviously the weight room is a big part of the injury prevention stuff, and then, like I said, uh, the coaches and the players and how they kind of coach practice. So this was kind of interesting, Ryan. Go ahead, go ahead, man. I was just about to say that that's like that's interesting to me because I and I was kind of going to do the flip side of things, not just like injury stuff, but spring sports wise, right? Um, now, did you have something to relate to injury before I I carried? No, go ahead. All right, so for me, I feel like the big thing I run into is, right, like in the city we share basketball, track, right, mm-hmm. baseball. Most of my athletes, um, out my receivers, my DBs, my, my corners, right, all those guys are – Oh, and I even have wrestlers that are D-linemen, right? Like they're just sharing guys because we're a smaller school, right? We, we rostered – last year was my biggest squad at 56, right? Um, and so how do you guys – now I know you're at a bigger school now, like you talk about, but like at, you know, Tyner where you just previously were, mm-hmm. how did you guys like combat that? Did you guys have doing the guys doing track? Like, what, did it affect the spring sports? And that's a big argument in Ohio. Like OHSA is like, no, we don't want to take away from our spring sports. Um, do you see that actually happening? Uh, yeah. So I think really the big thing was at the first school that I was at in Fort Myers, cause we had such a small roster and every, like legitimately every single football player was going to play a different sport. Yeah. I mean, all the quarterbacks and receivers, they all played baseball and the baseball team was pretty good. So they went pretty far. We all know that that has a big thing when you play a spring sport and you have, um, spring practice, a big part of that is how good is your track team and how good is your baseball team? Your baseball team's not very good. You're going to get them really early for baseball teams really good might not have them until halfway through. Um, so that's a big part. Um, I mean, to, to me and the coaches that I've been with, our thing was always, you know, it's spring. It's a spring sport. They had kind of have um, primary dictation on the kids' schedule and what they do. And, you know, if they have a baseball game, then we're going to go easy on them. Um, a lot of it, you know, a huge part of it is the head football coach's relationship with the track coach and the baseball coach. Um, so if everything's kind of aligned, then it's really easy, um, like track, at Cleveland, they would practice from three to four, and then we get them from like four to five afterwards. Uh, so we just started practice late. They still got track. Were they tired? Maybe tired. So all right, whatever. We just kind of work around it. Typically, spring's a little slower paced, anyways, because they're trying to pick up scheme again. Um, so you kind of just find ways to work around it. Um, my big thing is this year too is like ran practice. I ran practices our seven on one stuff that we do in Ohio, right? Um, the stuff that I did, we ran right after track practice. So, I, I mean, I, that's why I'm like, I hate the, like, that excuse because it's like you can yeah. work around it. Yeah, and there's anything – the big thing is, like, anything's better than nothing. Like, mm-hmm. you can send me out there with five kids. Like, send me out there with the O-line. That's probably just throwing right now because they're not running track. A lot of them probably don't play baseball. That's fine. I would go with just the O-line, D-line for 15 days. Like, I would take that over doing absolutely nothing. Um, yeah. That's kind of our thing. It's like, okay, we're not going to get the track kids and the baseball kids. So that's fine. We'll work with the JV kids and the offensive defensive linemen. That's kind of my thing. And what's really interesting, Ryan, you missed it before we got on. We were just talking about our summers and what summer looks like. And I, 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 there's so much focus that goes to the spring, right? Because right now it's, hey, down south, they get spring ball. We don't have spring ball. And, and I asked, asked Tyler, <laughs> what's your summer even look like? And, and so just real quick, Tyler, tell Ryan and tell everybody else 
you know Ohio football, and we've talked about it a little bit. Tell tell the uniqueness of where you're at in summer and your schedule. Yeah, so in Tennessee, uh, you can have a spring game and spring practice. I think it's 10 practices. Um, a lot of people don't do the spring game. That's kind of changing, I think. I think more – I feel like more teams this year played a spring game than last year. Um, and Florida spring games are huge. So, like, I mean, they're going to pack the stadium. The newspaper is going to come out. Like, it's – you're playing to win those spring games in Florida. So culturally, it's not like that in Tennessee, so you can't take a spring game. Um, then, I mean, some teams get started the Monday after their spring game, and they'll go um, from, you know, last week of May all the way till dead period, uh, which is the last week of June, first week of July. You have seven-on-sevens. You can't be in pads in June. Some teams go three days a week. Some teams go five days a week, uh, four days a week, or four days a week. Um, Tyner last year was three days a week going all of June, probably throwing like we're going to University of Tennessee next week and the University of Chattanooga uh, the week after. So that's all seven all seven season will be June. Once you come back July, you can get, I think you can get technically four preseason games, not preseason games or scrimmages. Um, we had three last year plus a jamboree. So that's going to vary uh, those scrimmages. That's completely between the head coaches. Last year we ramped it up. So like the first scrimmage was like, you got 10 plays, we got 10 plays. We did an inside run in a seven on seven. And then the second one was like more game like. And finally, the last one was like a full tilt game, pretty much with special teams and all that jazz. So um, you can also get, um, you can have joint practices with other teams um, as well. Um, I want that some so teams, bad. Some I know. To, I've been talking about that for we, we wanted yeah. to do that. So look, dude. Yeah. I honestly love it. Like that's beautiful, but do not let us get a, that type of schedule because my fiance is definitely leaving. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, unhappy, uh, you know, others. But I mean, that's just crazy. And to me, I'm blown away. That's Amazing, something I'm going to take though. away the the most tonight. Like I had known about the spring, and there's been so much focus on that. But to see the differences, spring ain't even half of it, right? Like. Look at how long and how much more and the on restrictions that they have in the summer. And that's crazy. And I had another one too, and this is something interesting, but I think it was last year, Tennessee had, had approved NIL deals for high school players, right, Tyler? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Okay. Talk to me, Don't like, call him, sir. Ty Tyler. That's the dirty south of like me. 40, 50 years old. So, <laughs> I love you. That's hella respect. I got a ton of respect for that, but wow, I so, did not want to stop being called that. This, this, is, this is a really unique opportunity for us because it came up in Ohio and Ohio shut it down. Like the vote wasn't even close. All right. It's definitely a hot topic. What what is and like so tell us like you know how active or large is that becoming for particular athletes? What do some of these deals look like? Does Cleveland have any? Just talk to us about NIL at the high school level in Tennessee. Yeah, so I think it's kind of really up in the air what the rules actual actually mean because uh, they were kind of so vague, kind of with the same thing with college football, kind of vague. Uh -huh. Everything's really vague, so we're still trying to tiptoe around it. I don't completely get the rules or understand that. I like I said, I don't think many people do. Um, typically, what happens is, uh, like last year at Tyner, our quarterback sent an NIL deal with D1, it's like a local training 
uh, group. Yeah, but that was after he was done playing, and that's kind of more of the norm. Is it's um, seniors that have already been done playing, um, and they sign it with like a smoothie place or a mom and pop shop, and it's nothing crazy. Uh, typically, they show up in a commercial or some ads, and they get um, a couple hundred dollars a month or something like that. Now, the school they can't be in uniform. They can't mention the school. The school can't mention them. It has to be completely set apart from the school. Uh, I know kind of the first player that really kind of took advantage of this, who's going to be a senior, um, is the five-star uh, Boo Carter, who has an offer from Ohio State, who's Ohio State's in his top five. He's from Chattanooga. Um, I believe he's the first kid in Tennessee that signed an NIL deal while still playing high school sports. Um don't know the details. Never met him. I'm pretty. There was a bunch of news articles about it, um, so it's out there. It's just not super popular. Because that's what we were always interested. Because I'm like, what? I feel like kids and parents would once they heard like it's clear. Like I thought they would be right. No, and here's the here's the thing. Like that, I would say people think like obviously. Oh well, the high schools are going to start paying players. Like I'm pretty connected. To schools in the state and schools outside the state, I that's not how I think it's going to go at the high school level. Like that's just not like booster clubs are trying to pay guys a stipend, like a five k stipend extra. Like they're not trying to Jeez. like like they're trying to like just they're just trying to like put kids in reconditioned helmets. Like they're not mm-hmm. trying to like pay a kid a hundred thousand dollars a year to transfer to their school. Like yeah, that's what a lot of people think it is. Like that's not that's not what it is. That's not what it's going to be. A thousand percent. That, that, that just would get crazy. Yeah. yeah it's it's, it's, that's it's interesting. Different. And there's some schools that it's funny that will block that. Like won't even let you pay for an assistant coach out of a booster club. Yeah, so that's how it is in chat. Yeah, that's how it is in a lot of places in Tennessee is the booster club can't have anything to do with the um, stipends or anything like that. It has to come directly from the school. Chattanooga is even worse. Hamilton County, you're only allowed to have six stipends paid from the school. You can only have them, though. Like, like here in Ohio, like I split my contracts down the middle. You know, some of them so, seventy-five. So it was four, four stipends, and they split it to six. So you are splitting to get to that six, even. Um, so like, it's it's rough. I mean, that's why I mean, a team public school in Chattanooga hasn't won a state championship in a long time because it's so hard. Because you'll play Knoxville and Nashville, they have daggum eighteen coaches on the sideline, like, and you got six that are paid. Mm-hmm. And it's not even like I mean it's a four thousand dollars stipend, so it's not a, it's not anything crazy. You're just trying to barely sweat it. So that's same yeah, way. Yeah, I love that. That that makes yeah. me happy because my dudes, <laughs> Texas, which I don't have any, but those guys that are yeah. we're all connected through the coaching world. But geez, yeah. dude, I love hundred twenty thousand to go be the campus coordinator and coach of football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now privates are a completely different thing. I don't know how it is in in. Uh, I don't and, have in Ohio, but like, I mean, there's because we, yeah, we have two of the biggest boarding schools in the nation in Chattanooga, Baylor and Macaulay. We have them both on the preseason. That's a completely different world. Because then the kids are staying on campus. You know, that's a little. Yeah, out like going down we, there. We uh, we lost yeah. to a pretty big one in the the final mm-hmm. four, and we'll just leave it at that. There's uh there's always going to be a difference in Ohio between the publics and privates, and I think the biggest yeah. thing that many people worry about nil is how that could fuel that divide even more mm-hmm. with maybe yeah. some of them schools so well uh, here's, here's another you guys will probably think this is interesting in tennessee privates and publics aren't different playoffs so there's a private school playoff and a public school love playoff. that 
Mm. Not here. here. There's been a lot of push for it, but I'm going to tell you what, yeah. it ain't ever going to happen. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. Mm. No, now, money. could you imagine going down there one month and Donnie, one month and just co- – or one year, one full season and coaching in Tennessee just to see what it's like? It's just interesting to hear the difference. Hey, come on, baby. Hey, you guys can join any time. I got spots, baby. Come on. <laughs> it's just interesting to hear <laughs> all the differences. So, I love it. Donnie, let's get us into this next viewer topic. So this one's interesting, man. This one goes out from Drew Evans. So, Drew, if you're listening, man, we appreciate this topic, and we want fans to know that, hey, we're listening when you give us good stuff. And Drew came up with a great question. Some of these, they probably can't be said, but what's the best headset conversation (laughs) or story you've had all time? Who's popping it off, gentlemen? I'll give this one because it's about one of the uh, other members of of this this show oh, no. I, I i think it was oh, no. uh regular season new albany game and we're we're on the we're in the middle of the game i think it was that game and you hear maybe stout talking for a few minutes then like kind of quiet just the background noise in the headset and then like a loud bang right and then you hear stout yelling is just yelling our ears off uh, and explaining very loudly that the window had come crashing down on you or something because you tried to move it up or down or like you tapped a little bit and it just bang came crashing on top of you in the middle of the game. Uh, and it was really, really hard. It was very easy to mute the mic real quick so he couldn't hear us laughing. But Full context. Didn't even move it. So <laughs> I won't say the school we were at. We're no. on the road. Okay. I'm in the press box and I'm looking down at the <laughs> iPad. And next thing I know, the entire window falls out and crashes on my head. Okay. And I'm, you can imagine the words that came out of my mouth, right? Mm-hmm. I, I woke up next morning, just bleed. I, I had a bruise, bleeding, whatever, you name it. Uh, headsets went out. I had to run down to the field. I mean, it. we won't talk about the school. All right. <laughs> right. Right. In, in 12 years, I've never had a press box window fall on my head <laughs> in the middle of a game. That was a new one. First for everything. Yep. Tyler, go ahead. What's yours? Yeah, I don't know if it's a, it's not a headset conversation, but like one of my all time favorite stories is from this year. Our head coach is a legend and he's like super old school. Cool. Um, so, you know, he can get a little fired up. So uh, I think we had the number three defense in the state of Tennessee. So we kind of like pride ourselves on teams not scoring or even like hitting the red zone against us. Anyways, we play a team in the first round of the playoffs that we probably should have beaten by a lot, um, but beaten us for like the last two or three years in the playoffs in the first round of the playoffs. So there's like some PTSD going on. Anyways, they drive down and score on the first drive, and my head coach is livid. He brings them off. This is at home. We got a big crowd because everyone knows we're supposed to be really good. He brings them off and makes them do up downs in front of the home crowd after the first round in the playoffs. <laughs> and I was in the box crying, laughing. I was laughing so hard. And of course, our star middle linebacker is like, "Man, what is this? I ain't doing no up downs." And they're doing up downs. He's just he's hilarious. Another one is like our first away game. The JV bus was screwing around, uh, so you know he heard that they were screwing around. So he has them go to their practice field, and he's doing up-downs and, like, suicides, and it's up until, like, two minutes into kickoff. 
So he's come sauntering back, and our kids haven't even the JV team hasn't even dressed yet. <laughs> so they get dressed. It's like midway through the first quarter, and you just see JV kids like sauntering on the sidelines, slowly walking over. I was like, what happened? What happened to them? Hilarious. Love That's the stories. Great. He's Those a legend. Yeah. Awesome. That's yeah. great. Those are both good. Stout, what, what do you got? Man, I had a couple of different ones, but I'm gonna go. I decided I'm gonna go with this one, man. So it's about a couple of years ago, and this is when I, I was still at Pickerington. We're playing Wessel Central, and this is a massive game, right? And and me and the other offensive coordinator, though the OC was in the box together. We were calling plays from up there. We had just gotten our butts beat the week before. We're in a tight game, one of those ones where it's like whoever has the last possession is probably gonna win this game. And here's the terrible thing about being in the press box. You get to hear everybody in the stands. You get to hear all the commentary next door. If the TV's there, you're hearing the whole TV feed all day, right, and their comments. And so there were some comments coming, right? And then next thing you know, some comments are coming, some comments are coming. We break a run for a score. Our offensive coordinator, he lost it. He's banging on the window saying, how about that, whatever, these two are about ready to fight, right? And this is mid-game, right? And so I'm literally grabbing him, putting him in a chair. I'm literally standing at the door trying to hold it closed while these two dudes are trying to go at each other. I'm trying to calm my boy down. You can imagine what the head coach – imagine what Nate is thing is going on right now. This is all going on on the headset, right? And so we're coaching. I'm slamming this door shut. The sheriff comes up, like two sheriff officers come up to the press box in the middle of the game, right? We finally just grabbed our stuff and left. To me, that was like one of the wildest headset things ever happened. This entire fight in the press box, the sheriffs are coming up. Everybody's freaking out, wondering what's going on on the field. I won't, I won't name any names, but it was a very – it's a story I'll never forget. I'll, I'll name I'll shout out to my dog Jay Pruitt though. I know he would have got Hey, my dog Pruitt's working anybody that wants to come across. Him. Uh, and Stout's also uh, you can't see, but he's also the exact guy to have hold the door shut as he's uh, he's a monster of a man. He, he's pretty um, strong for his old age. You see what I'm saying? Like I would I would definitely be like Stout Gravador, dude. Like you got that. Um, for me, mine's like not really football related it's just hilarious um sned who was our like first guest right like my guy first dude that i like really met at pick right i love the dude to death and um we're going out for our first game and i remember i don't know he's up in the press box and i kind of just had seen his wife right where she was sitting um for the game and it was the first game and i'm like sned He's like, yeah, this is pregame. Like, we're warming up, getting ready for kickoff. Like, just about to get out there. And I'm ahead of kickoff. So, I'm juicing the guys up. Like, set the tone tonight. You know, he's screaming at them, going crazy. Um, and then I turn around and I, like, look up to the press box. And I'm like, I got to mess with Sam. I'm like, snap. I'm like, look down at, like, the 40-yard line midway through. Do you see that brown-haired lady? I'm like, she's so hot. And he's, like, looking. He's looking. And he's like, <laughs> what? He's like the brown hair. I was like, yeah, she got the pink North shirt on right like there. And he's like, that's my wife, dude. That's and I just started laughing so hard. And I did it <laughs> the rest of the year. I would look up in the stands before the game and find his wife and be like, Snetty, 34-yard line, brother. He's like, midway up, three-fourths the way up. He's like, I hate you so much, dude. 
Like, you know what I mean? So it, we would always break the ice with that before a game. And, uh, you know, I definitely th- – those were uh, good times. If we did it every week. I love it, man. I'm going to steal that one. I can't wait. But like, like you just <laughs> act stupid. Like, bro, hold on a second. Because I go up early. My thing for me is I, I don't I don't go back into the locker room or anything like that. I go up early with about 20 minutes left to go, and I just – Look at the call sheet, get myself right, you know, just kind of settle into myself. I don't want to be running up to the press box with seven minutes to go. Like, I don't like that craziness. I like I'm so honest so. you, aren't I, though? You I'm know, I'm craziness that. before the game, like screaming, like running head by nah. lock, lockers and nah. stuff. Nah. I just want to get up there. I get in my zone. I'm by myself for a little while. I'm not rushing to sprint up the stands as the kickoff's about to happen. But I'm going to steal that one because that's plenty of time to look for that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Donnie, it's time to get in this last one. And we talk with Coach Tyler about his specialty or one of his specialties. Coach, so we know, right, you're a defensive guy, um, and, and I'm a defensive guy. The other dudes are on the dark, uh, on the other side. I wouldn't say dark side because we're dark side. Defense is dark side. <laughs> I like taking that and claiming that. We're the dark side of the team all the time. But uh, Defense wins championships. Offense builds dynasties. That's the saying that I love to say. No. Mm-hmm. More than Tyler. But here's, here's we're back to back to real time defense, right? Um you know, Tyler runs a great defense. I mean, obviously, last year he, he alluded to a little bit. They, number three in Tennessee, didn't even want a team to get in the red zone. You know, um, so for him, a huge thing that he has is the tight front, and that's what he's really known for on Twitter. Um, it's something that's popping down south. Stouts said that he's not seeing it as much, but he's seen a little bit of his spurts. For me, uh, I I don't run it right. We run a four-two-five. Uh, we go single high, right over front as our base pretty much every time when we call strength. So I'm excited to hear a little bit about this tight front and uh, and, and get to rolling. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of what I cut my teeth on. That's why we tend to always talk about it when it comes to me. Um, that's what I started with was the Aranda 3-4, which is really a tight tight base, tight quarters base. Uh, I'll preface this by saying uh, we did not run the tight base last year. It was just uh, we were a four-two-five base, and we threw it in a little bit. Same thing that we're doing at Cleveland. We're going to be a four-two-five base and over base, and then throw in the tight front, uh, kind of as a as a mixer. Um, I loved it my first two years. The bet, probably one of the best things about the tight front is you kind of know what you're going to get from a good OC. Uh, you kind of know what the adjustments are going to be, so it can kind of help you um as you get to calling a game which is typically the hardest part of coaching Uh, i always say the best the biggest bottleneck is um play calling so that makes a little bit easier because at the tight front typically what are you going to get you're going to get a team that sticks a tight end down it's going to stick his hand in the ground they're going to get to a three or four man surface they're going to wash the four right down um they're going to try and pick off your backside inside linebacker that's typically where you're going to see so as a play caller as a young play caller it was made the game really easy for me to go to um, because I could just go to my call sheet and I knew what I was going to get into because I typically knew right away what I was going to get. In fact, my second year, um, we played like four or five teams that were supposed to be 10 personnel, four open spread, gun spread. We did not see a single team 
that came out in four open. They all like half of them ended up going like playing tackle over um, and playing with a tight end to run a power encounter. Like it, that's kind of how we chase teams out of it. But it made it nice, um, made it easy to uh, call football games. Do you guys have any specific questions about the tight front, or you guys? I can ramble about it all day. I mean, what what's interesting is. So when we got up before we got on the show, we, you know, we talked a little bit and I told you about down here or I should say up here in Columbus. We don't see as much of it. We see a little bit. There's some teams that will sprinkle in a little bit. We see a lot more of your traditional odd stack or your traditional three, four. Well, maybe they'll roll down into a five, two. That's definitely been the flavor down here for the last couple of years. Um, talk to me about why. Is there is there a, a, a is there a reason from a personnel standpoint? Is there players you're getting? Like, why would somebody want to run that as their base defense? Other than you, what you said about you thought it simplified maybe the game plan you would see or you could predict it better. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing, obviously, is that it keeps your second level free because you eat up two double teams no matter how you stack it. Um, so always keeping your inside backers are always kind of like the first thing you go to on your checklist as a defensive coordinator. Um, the other thing is with the proliferation of the spread, it's really good in the 10 personnel because even if you run, you know, when you get 10 personnel, what are you typically going to get from an offense run game wise? You're going to get inside zone at a large clip. Um, you have to do something. If you're a four down team and you play over and under, there's a B gap bubble somewhere. The offensive coordinator is trying to find that bubble, trying to exploit it, trying to just run typical just regular inside zone run at the bubble. Play the tight front, no longer have a B-gap bubble. Your bubbles are not in the C-gap, so it makes it. Um, it's kind of your trump card to 10 personal teams, four open. My personal philosophy, and this is kind of, I guess, off topic, but we can get into it. My personal philosophy is to throw as many fronts at a team as possible. So last year we rolled in with like 12 to 14 fronts, and that doesn't Jeez. even include any stunts or pressures. Um, so like my philosophy now and why we went to a four down front is uh, my goal isn't to beat the offensive coordinator. It's to beat the O-line coach and that 14 year old center. Um, So I just want to throw as many fronts at you as possible. Um, Typically have a completely unique over and under check or odd check and an even check. So like in in the semifinals, no, in the quarterfinals are we had, we ran like OG bear, like true six, one bear with like a shade, two threes, two fives and a seven and a nine. Like we had like six guys walked up. We had never shown that. So that was always like my thing was I don't want to try and beat the receivers or the running backs or the quarterback. I just want to screw with the O-line coach because I, from my small school background, I was around the OC and the O-line coach. And the hardest thing for an offensive line, I felt like in summer, was when you transition from whatever the base defense was and now you're throwing in, you know, if you're a four-down team, now you're throwing in the three-down. And all of a sudden the kids' minds are exploding because there's a zero nose and typically they're used to a shade that typically blows kids' minds. So that was kind of my thing was how can I do that every single week to a O-line coach and make it – because you only have, you know, three games per, pretty much, you know, your fourth – your or three practices, your fourth practice you're just walking through. So three practices, good luck trying to get 12 different fronts because I can barely do it in a full year. There's no way you're going to be able to practice it. So that's kind of my personal philosophy. I, I mean, I'll never forget that the first time we ever really saw the tight front, we were playing Cincinnati Elder, right? And they had this defensive end. He's committed to Boston College, and he just wrecked our entire game plan. Because like you said, we were a massive 10 personnel team. We ran a bunch of inside zone. We were really good mm-hmm. at it. Nobody had really challenged us yet out of it. 
and, and we struggled with it. And that was our first time really seeing a team that said, this is our base and this is what we're going to do. Uh, and, and it was tough. So, you know, uh, when, when you talk about playing those four eyes a lot, a lot of teams will say, well, naturally, like what you said, they're going to give a tight end. They're going to try to double team or wash things down. But then I feel like a lot of teams will say, hey, we're going to pin and pull you or we're going to outside zone you. How do you protect your defense knowing that teams are going to try to do that? Yeah, you just you carry a bunch. Um, so like my big thing is uh, there's always a debate between like being simple and being complicated. My biggest thing as a coordinator, you have to be layered really well. And that's where being layered really well helps. So um, whether you get to a three-man surface, whether it's pre-snap, so with a tight end, or post-snap, whether it's gap scheme, pin pull, counter, power, all that good jazz, you have to get a five-tech, whether it's pre- or post-snap the same way. So you can just line up and under. You know, that's typically the first thing I got to in the call sheet was let's just play a five, a shade, and a three, walk down the jack, and now you're playing four down. Uh, now that protects your backside inside linebacker. Um, but you can also do that with slanting. So you just slant to wherever the tight end is. So now four eyes go into a five technique and you're playing under post snap. Um, you can also plug. So you can take that strong side four eyes, slant into a five, and then bring one of the inside backers and create under defense that way. So you know, that's the biggest thing. It's just the layer calls. No, like I said earlier, know that that's what you're going to get if you're a tight front base team. Um, know that you're going to get a three-man surface. You're going to get gap scheme. Um, they might try to arc you. They might try to read you. Um, you just got to know what's coming and then prep your call sheet. And that's really – that's an off-season thing. That's not something that you do on Thursday or Wednesday or something like that. That's something that you start building your call sheet. You start building your system. Um, and that starts in spring and summer when you start adding in calls. So my question was going to be for you, though, Tyler. Like, you say you have 12 down, like, a 12 fronts and everything. When is your – are you? do you kind of have um, an install schedule of when you want that all 12 to be in by what week? Or are you saying, I'm going to have all 12 in by week one? I want – yeah, I want everything in. I would like to have everything in even before fall camp starts. Uh, that's really the goal, honestly. Um, and then so get to, like, fall camp. players, though? Uh, so the, every school that I've been at, yes, almost everyone. Tyner, everyone was a two-way player. Everyone had to learn offense, defense. Um, we split practice half and half, so we had an offensive emphasis and a defensive emphasis. So we coached JV for first half practice and then varsity for the second half. Um, Cleveland's a little bit different. We'll be one way up front. They'll still learn offense, but then second and third level, they all go both ways. So I haven't been to a place where we like true two platoon. It's either one platoon or – yeah, it's either one or one and a half platoon. Everyone's kind of learning it both ways. To me, I'm kind of a guy where you just like keep keep throwing it at them, and then kind of teach whole part whole. So I just throw like starting out day one, we had four fronts. I think we had even, so double twos. We had over under, um, and then we'd set the three technique to the back. So that was like day one. We just threw it at them a bunch of them because the technique that's the big thing. That fronts are just memorization. If you can play an outside shade, you can play a five, a three, a one. You can play an inside shade. You can play a two eye and a four eye. You know. See, so yeah, I'm glad because that's what we're planning on doing this year. Is like we got older guys. We're just gonna throw it all back at them again this year. Just yeah. like get their to get their stuff rolling again. Like next week or or heading into the week at or next week. You know, we're gonna go in and, and we're just gonna throw six fronts right at them. You know what I mean? Yep. To start, um, especially with our D line linebackers in the box. Um, now DBs. I have a new DB coach because we're so we're gonna adjust a little bit there on where they're <laughs> working individual and 
doing those certain things with him to get used to him um because we're keeping the same coverage stuff but um no that's interesting that's 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 good stuff um one more kind of was gonna go ahead you got it you got it yeah i kind of tell the kids like mike because i've been at a new school three times now i tell them like first day like this is going to be more than you've ever learned it's going to be super complicated and typically they buy into that like kids want to do advanced stuff like they want to feel like they're doing they're running college plays and college fronts and college pressures like i just i don't like hide the fact that it's going to be i don't tell them it's going to be easy like i tell them from the get-go it's going to be really hard we just got to get through it just trust the process and typically they buy in and get it really fast and for our viewers because i'm i'm also don't know this but like you said you guys are 6a in ohio right we go just simple easy division one two three four five six seven mm-hmm. right like division one's our biggest and then our smallest is all the way down. So I feel like that's simple there. When we talk about Florida, we talk about a Tennessee group, like what is 6A? Is that the biggest one there? Is that it? Where are we at? Yeah, that's the biggest. So 6A, I can't remember what the minimum for us. Like I think Cleveland has 1,800 kids. So uh, like total freshman to varsity, we should be like around 100, 110, 120, like around there somewhere. We have a completely separate freshman team. So technically varsity is a little bit different. I think we had 35 on the freshman team that just came out today, um, but it's separate. So right around there, Tyner was a two-way school. So uh, I think there was like 400 kids in the high school um, and we had 40 to 50. And then SSCA, we had 150 in the high school and like 25 to 30. So, and that's, like, we, we did the same thing at SFCA. I had 12 different fronts at SFCA. I actually had more fronts at SFCA than I did, than I did do at Cleveland because the system was just different. Um, so that's kind of been my MO was doing it no matter where we're at, how many coaches we have, how many players we have, like we're just going to do really multiple front, kind of more simple on the back end. So a little give and take there. That's an interesting perspective, man, because I agree with you. Like it's just, you know, as an offensive line background, I just remember when I started out, we used to run – we were a power eye system, ran so many different formations, and we'd see so many different fronts. The amount of time we would spend having to walk through all those assignments mm-hmm. and all those calls and everything, it really just ate up so much time. It's interesting. Why do you think this is because you and I talked before? You know, I've spent a lot of time watching Bigsby and Broken Arrow and some other schools this year. Why is the tight front so popular more, maybe more popular down south than it is up here where we're at? Yeah, I think it's really regional. It really depends on um, your division as well. So like at 2A, at Tyner, I don't think anyone ran the tight front. Almost everyone was like a four down or three, four slant angle. They were going to play cover one, cover three, typically. Six A level, everyone's spread. So everyone's going to run match quarters and a bunch of people are going to be three, four with the tight front sprinkled in um, kind of the same thing in Florida. There's a lot of spread teams. I, I can't remember the last under center team that we saw my first two years. I mean, they were all gun. They might've had a tight end and an 11 personal, 12 personal team, but they were all from the gun. Really. They wanted to be like an RPO air raid team, spread RPO team. Um, that's probably the biggest thing is why the tight front comes out is uh, it, Tight four protects you. Tight quarters protects you with the RPOs because you can tell the overhang away from the back. Hey, you hang on the on the RPO. He takes away the stick or the bubble or the slant, whatever it is. You know if you're going to get inside zone RPO, the ball is going to bounce because there's a four eye and the B gap, so that overhang can come in. So it kind of just makes things really simple um, when it comes to like that modern spread RPO stuff. Um, 
Tyner was completely different because we only saw two spread teams. And we saw, I think, 12 flex bone wing tee, single wing team. So it was like way different from what I was used to. Uh, so the tight front doesn't make sense. You know, if you're going to play a 12 personal team or a wing tee team, no point in being in the tight front because when you see that and you're in a tight front system, you're going to play under defense anyways. So you might as well just start there. Uh, so it really just kind of depends on where you're at, what you see. Uh, one of the biggest things when you're going to a new program is figure out what kind of offenses you're going to see typically in your region and then kind of go from there. Man, I love it. I love it. Hopefully we didn't give everybody in Columbus a bunch of weapons. <laughs> Ryan, wrap us up, man. Look, we appreciate every viewer as always. Um, first and foremost, thank you so much, uh, Coach Mains, Manis, Menace, whatever you want to call him in Ohio. I don't care what it is, right? But he's a defensive savage. Manus. We, hey, we, we cleared that up earlier. But whatever you see on his stuff, he's done a phenomenal job. I follow all of his stuff on Twitter. I know one of my my uh, defense coordinator, he also follows him. And you guys have talked multiple times. Um, and they both write for the Cleveland stuff. So just we appreciate you. I know all three of us here um, were super pumped up to get on this week. Couldn't wait to talk to you um, and hear a little bit about you and then also do a little bit of fun stuff. Um, fundraising University, everybody get with my guy, Brent Maxwell. And we got another huge episode coming up next week, though. Um, I'm not even going to spoil it. Last time I spoiled it, and then Stout looked at me crazy. So let me – I won't do it. I won't do it. But um, – I agree with you, man. This has been this has been the kickoff of one we've been waiting for in, in in the the next couple three four episodes of some people are coming on. So Tyler, we appreciate you coming on, man. And I it's just a great to have this opportunity to talk to you because we've already been talking for about a month or two before this, just randomly on social media. I want to thank everybody else for joining us tonight at six one four headsets. If you want to hear more. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on anything you want. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, you name it. And if you want to watch the video, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, 614 Headsets. All right? Keep following us. Hey, subscribe to that YouTube channel. Donnie Max mm -hmm. upset. We got to get some more subscribers. We got to get that one growing. Don't forget to follow us on social media. And as you see, like we do with our boy Drew Evans, if you've got a great topic that you think we should work into the show, we're going to find a way to work it in. So we appreciate everyone. Tyler, we wish you the best of luck this next season. Go get that next state championship, and we're going to be following you and rooting for you, big guy. Yes, sir. Appreciate you all. The land, the other land. The other land. The other land. Yeah. We, we go by, at Northland, we go by the land as well. So you guys at Cleveland, I would love to share that with you down in Tennessee. Absolutely. All right, man. We'll see everybody next week.